We're getting into our question for the week. We are coming back to the same question that we've been dealing with the last two weeks, but again at a different angle. Um, one thing I want to start with, though, is worship is an interesting thing. As believers, we like to throw around the word worship. You know, we're getting into a time of worship. This is what most worship leaders will say. And it's interesting because we as believers compartmentalize life. You know, here's work, here's my home life, and here's Christian life. Like we put it in certain boxes. But I want to encourage you that worship is all of it together. Like worship is your life. So as we engage in the word, we reflect and think about that. What, we've been, what have we been talking about the last weeks? Can y'all, y'all remember? <laughs> our past, dealing with our past. And I, I want to, before I get into the question for today, what I want to do is I want to kind of emphasize the importance of continuing to think about it. We look at a text in Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24, and it says, Therefore, if any of you is offering a gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. So what do you notice in this text? God, as much as God is interested in you sound like giving an offering through song, you know, back in the day they would bring a sacrifice. As much as he's interested in that, he's also interested in relationships. Broken relationships coming back together. You working through your past is worship to God. Like I say, we compartmentalize life. Yes, I can come sing a song and we love that. And that's easy. Working through yourself is worship to God. And that's hard because that's not easy work. You don't even know where to begin that work. But I want to encourage you that you have to realize you are a byproduct of your past. Who you are today is a byproduct of your past. And if you can't work through that life, I don't even think you can worship God truly and honestly. I'll give you an example of this. I had a friend of mine who told me this story. They were, they were younger, and when they were, they were excited to meet a friend. So they're, let's give names. We'll call him Al, okay? So my friend Al, why? It's not Alan, okay? Okay. <laughs> It's Al, okay? So Al and Bobby, Al was excited. He was with Bobby, and they were going to meet uh, their friend, his friend Chris. And so Al was really excited because Chris was a cool kid. And so Al, like, uh, Bobby was the mutual friend. And so Al goes up to Chris, and they're like, hey, my name is Al. Nice to meet you. And Chris looks at Al and says, did I ask you your name? And they reject Al right there. And that moment was very... Uh, it impacted Al a lot because Al was so excited to meet this person and the person rejected them. So now think about what happens to that person's life if they let it. Guess what happens? Guess how many people do you think they want to say hi to? Nobody, right? You can easily cut yourself off from the world and think people are mean. I want to protect myself. But what does God call us to do? Love your neighbors. So you see, something of your past, which you may think is insignificant, can really affect the rest of your life. It can affect the rest of your worship. You know, I was talking to a friend this week, and we were, he was talking about how our churches are so apathetic towards God. Now he's become a little bit more on fire for God. And I was like, where did that apathy start? 
And he was like, because everyone else at church just comes there and sits. So guess what? It was a normal thing. His past upbringing of apathy has led him to currently be apathetic. Does this make sense? I want to encourage you, if you're not living fully in what God has of you, there's probably something in your past that is off. So you have to spend time with yourself. You know, I have a picture of an iceberg, right? There's only so much we see on the surface. But you look underneath, there is so much more to every one of us. And your responsibility is to spend that time. And I want to encourage you as I'm getting started, your worship to God is to spend that time. I'll give you one more example. This one also is another one. As I've been thinking about the past, more, more situations come up. So maybe your parents were not very kind to you. They didn't love you expressingly, right? And that can affect you, your present, and your future. There was a guy who was posting on Instagram, uh, or one of them, YouTube, and he said he was watching videos of kids like in their performance, you know, like choir performances at five. And he was saying like at five, when the kid sees the parent, their reaction, and he said he just started crying. This 30-year-old man saw these kids, re like, you know, when, they, when the parents come and sit down and they're about to sing, they're like, you know, they're so happy to see the parent. He was like, his parents never came to it. He would be looking for them and they would never be there. And it's like, he may not even remember but that, but that video triggered that. So I want to encourage you, you are a byproduct of your past. You honestly, to live well, have to come to an understanding, who am I? And as you do that, I really believe as you work through it, your worship to God is even sweeter. It's more real. So as we're getting into it, here's the question that we're dealing with today. How do we work on our past? The first thing we talked about, what do I do with my past? And I said, we have to confront it. The next week, last week, we talked about why do I do that? But today, I want to ask you the question, how do we do that? You know, as, I was, as I've been doing this, people have reached out and one person was like, you said all these great things about the past. I don't know what to do now. Like, I know I need to. They know they have a lot of issues in the past. I don't know what to do. So my prayer is that as we go through this today, uh, it can be freedom for you from things from the past. But I ask you first, as we always begin the conversation, how do we work on our past? As believers, scripturally, how do we work on ourselves? We can get into our text and we'll, we'll, look, we'll let the scripture guide us then in this answer. But these are all great answers and a lot of it, y'all have stolen many of my points. So hopefully we'll reiterate the points and we're going to use the text to guide us. And so we're looking at John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And we're, again, we're dealing with the question of how do I handle my past? We see the story of Peter who has denied Jesus how many times? Three times. And Jesus has resurrected and Peter's, from my understanding, has felt so much guilt that he goes back to fishing. And on that day when he's fishing, they, how many fish did they catch initially? None. And Jesus tells him, let your net out to the side and how many do they catch? Wow, 153 is absolutely correct. They caught 153 fish and they understood in that moment who it was. They understood that it was Jesus. 
And so what does Peter do? He puts his outer garment back on and he starts swimming towards Jesus because he recognized this is the Savior that I long for. And so this is the encounter that as they're eating, you know, Jesus had already had a meal ready for them. And this is what Jesus asked Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. What does Jesus say? Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very quickly, I need you all to be with me. What observations do you all have right here? So I'll get into what I noticed. You know, in this text, this is the first time Jesus, we, from what we've noted, Jesus has addressed Peter regarding this. Let me ask, if one of your friends, one of your closest people you hung out with every day for three years, you see, after he has denied you in front of people, say like you walk into them and you hear them talking bad about you. <laughs> the first thing you say to them, can I ask you, what would it be probably? <laughs> I didn't expect that from you. Yeah. And you know the craziest part? Jesus had already predicted that he would deny him three times. He had so many questions he could have asked him. And guess what? He could have made him feel worse. But what did Jesus do instead? But Jesus asked him the question, do you love me? Jesus asked him the question, do you love me? And so what I take from this is this. We are looking at our situation from our lens. You know, what is Peter probably thinking? I'm so bad. How could I do this to someone whom I love? When we think of our, our negative situations, we can get so hurt by it because we're looking from our lens. And I think what God is inviting or Jesus is inviting for Peter is he's saying, can you look at your situation from my lens? When God sees our situations, it's not like he looks at us and says, you're a failure. He says, do you love me? That's all I need. If he looks at your situation, do you love me? That's all I need. What I want to encourage you today is this. When you are processing your situation, look at your situation not from your lens. Look at it from God's lens. God has a different perspective. As, the, as Danny mentioned, God works all things together for our good. And if you laser focus in on your perspective, your hurt, your guilt, your shame, all it will do is it will crush you and it will leave you there. But when you look on it based on God's perspective, you realize He's looking at your situation different than you are. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't think your situation means you're rejected. He still loves you and all He asks is, do you love me? You know what this is? This is maturity. It's maturity of letting go of your eyes and looking at it from God's eyes. You know, I use the, the demonstration of our past being like a backpack on our back. No matter who you are, you have a past that's on your back and you get to do something with it, right? 
And so inside, let me let me open up my backpack. And inside, what do we see? Not a foam roller this time. We have the weight. If I gave this to Zion, can I ask, what would he do with this? He would hurt himself probably with this. Can you agree with me? But maturity begins to understand the purpose of this. Maturity looks at this and says, you know, I can, you know, I was thinking, you know, if you're immature, you can just leave it here all day. And guess what happens? And it just starts to hurt me. But if I see it in a different perspective, it can strengthen me. And all I'm asking you today is this. When you're looking through your past and the hurt that you've gone through, look at it through God's eyes. And if you look at it through God's eyes, it will strengthen you. It will be something useful for your good and the good of people around you. And you, you might say, how can it? I've done some crazy things and you don't understand. And I just want to encourage you, see it from God's eyes. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. Every situation that he's allowed, he loves you. You know, as I was thinking about this, you know, a story came to mind. I don't know if y'all have heard the, uh, I don't know if you've heard the story of Joyce Myers. So Joyce Myers is a prominent speaker in, in America right now for Christianity. And if you hear her upbringing, though, it was, it was devastating. You know, she was born and brought up, and her father was very abusive in every way. He emotionally abused them. He physically hit them. He even did things that were unthinkable. Till the age of 18, he did the worst things to her. And you think, how can anything good come of that? How can it? You know, and this is also getting at the idea of there were so many things that that brought about. You know, I was reading, she actually wrote an article. She's written many articles. Y'all should go read some of it because it's very inspiring to think, she, you know, the person who is supposed to protect you, a father, is the one that's the, the meanest person to you. How do you even manage that? For most people, that kind of situation would crush them. She said, I was bitter always. I had a chip on my shoulder. I was full of self-pity, especially if things didn't go my way. I was controlling, manipulative, manipulative, fearful, insecure, and harsh. Who we are is a byproduct of our past. And some of these words can maybe even describe you. There may be things that have happened, right, that have brought you to that. And it's not fair. You think about her situation, that's not fair for anyone, let alone a kid. Yet in the midst of it, she found God. Because she was so hopeless, she was just looking. And she found God. She went to a service where at night and she gave her life to Jesus. And she said that night she felt a peace that she's never felt before. But the next day they said she like lied in a game of hide and seek or something. And she said that peace went away and she felt so guilty for it. But then she continued to work on herself. And so she plugged herself in a church and she said, you know, to help myself, she just did things of church. Let me read this. She was doing all the right things. My life revolved around church and I was constantly doing church work. And this is a good thing, but I still had all of the same problems. So many of us can do this. We get ourselves caught up in doing things. 
And the, I, here's what I want to hear from the story of Joyce Myers. Then God began changing me. What, then God began teaching me one of the most important lessons of my life. Only His Word can change me. She spent time in His Word. One of the key words that she would always read is 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it said, If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things are made new. She says, all things have become new. In other words, without Jesus, there was no hope for newness of life. The past always affects the future without the power of God to overcome it. You have to let Scripture, as Hepz and Danny were saying earlier, you have to put the truth of Scripture in contrast with your past. When the enemy wants to bring up guilt, you bring up hope. When the enemy wants to bring up situations where you were rejected, you know, I gave a few scenarios. Well, first I asked the question, are there areas of your life that you have, you have allowed the lies of the enemy to become your truth? I look at many believers today who are apathetic and slow and not doing much, and I wonder what stopped it. There is a lie of the enemy that has become a truth. So the first thing I said, here I give you a few examples. If people have rejected you, you have to constantly be telling you, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's scripture. It's okay to be apathetic towards the things of God, right? Say you see yourself like that. You have to constantly remind yourself, God wants us to love him with all our hearts, soul, and mind. You have to keep saying these scriptures. My past sin makes me feel unworthy. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgression from us. I want to encourage you, whatever your past situation is, for you to have victory, you must see it in light of God. You must see it in light of God's truth. And the beautiful thing is we have so much Scripture that can be a strength for you. So the first thing that I want to encourage you today is focus on your past from God's perspective. That's really the only thing I want to encourage you today. You know, this is not easy work. Dealing with your past is not easy work. You see, the third time Jesus asked the question, what happened to Peter? Peter was hurt. Many times, if you want to confront some things of the past that are heavy, you're going to hurt before you get healed. It's going to be awkward and it's going to be difficult, but there's a healing that God wants to give you. But all he's inviting, he, and honestly, here's the beautiful thing. He's inviting you to see it from his point of view. He's not shoving it. He didn't come up to Peter and say, look at it from the way I'm seeing. He asked him a question. And so I think this morning, he's inviting you. Can you look at your life, your past, and every part of you from God's perspective? And here's the beautiful thing. I think here's where it leads. because. Like we said, he asked the first question, Simon, son of Peter, do you love me? What's, what is the response? Peter says, Jesus, you know I love you. And then what does Jesus say to him? Feed my sheep. You understand God's heart, right? We are sometimes so caught in ourselves, we don't understand God's heart. You know where God's heart is? Always for the sheep. You know, Jesus looked to the crowds and he was like, these are like sheep without a shepherd. 
His heart broke for others. So many times we're focused on ourselves and our hurt that we don't understand the heart of God is, I want to heal you so you can impact so many people. Do you understand that? You understand, Peter worked through that and on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit filled him. Because here's the thing, as you work on you, the vessel becomes ready to be used. And when the Holy Spirit fills you, you stand up and things happen that you don't even understand. 3,000 came to know the Lord. One man's message, more than even Jesus' ministry, Peter did in one day. Because as we work on the vessel, right, God is able to use the vessel for His glory. You look at Joyce Myers. You know how many people's lives she impacts? She could have very easily said, God, why did you give this to me? And she could have been mad her whole life. Yet she said, this happened to me. Let something good come from it. What the enemy intended to destroy me, I'll make something good come out of it. How many people has she impacted? And here's the beautiful thing. If each one of us will spend time with ourselves, the promise of God is we will feed the sheep around us. Each one of us will feed the sheep around us. So I, I brought a note card for one of my students. So one of my students this week, she honored me as one of the teachers that she valued. That she's on the basketball team and they all got to pick a teacher. And on the note, what she wrote was, thank you for being so kind. She hasn't even been in my class in two years. But she said, the one thing I appreciated about you is that you looked at every student and tried to connect with everybody. And then I thought, wow, that, like, first of all, that was two years ago and she still remembers it. But more than that, I just thought, you know why I do that? Because I remember what it felt like to be lonely. I, re I remember being in a gathering of people and no one wanting to come talk to me. So I worked through that and I realized God has loved me in the midst of that. Even in the midst when nobody else may love me, maybe it's my job to love everyone. The pain that I felt compels me to love every person. And you may be feeling like, why did God allow me to feel that pain? Why, God? Maybe because someone else who's going through the same pain needs you. We are just vessels of God. And we see through the example of Peter, you see how Jesus approaches him. He's not coming at you to hate you for your past. He's saying, I want you to look at your past, see it face to face, and see it from my point of view. Stop letting it destroy you. I want this to help the people around you. And here's the beautiful thing. I, I help that one person. And my prayer is that as we as a group of people work on us, how many people can we impact? But we have to do the hard part of looking at our life and recognizing my past with everything that comes with it. Me working through that is worship to God. Don't just worship Him with your mouth. Worship Him with spending time with Him and working on the things inside of you. So I end with where I began. You know, how do we work through our past? You have to look at your past through God's perspective. You can't look at it from your eyes. Look at it through the eyes of Scripture, which guide you and give you freedom. What the enemy has meant to destroy you let God use it for your good and for the good of people around you. And as I said, man, I can't even imagine 
what that will look like if a gathering of believers did that. The shame that the enemy tried to destroy you, what if you're able to bring people out of that shame? The hurt that you felt that that person is going through that might crush them, your word may be what they need. And you're like, that's not fair. Why did I have to go through that? And I know it's not fair, but it's what God has allowed. So if God has allowed it, I just want to encourage you, let that verse be true to you. In all things, God works these things for the good of those who love him. Whatever you've gone through, God is allowing it for the good of those who love him. And so that's all I have to share with you for today. See your situation in light of God. See your situation in light of his perspective. And I really do believe we can find freedom in ourselves and victory for people around us.